At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The following is an exclusive presentation of the Carolina Panthers and the National Football League. This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Give to Blackshear, protects yep. the ball. Yep. He's got the five touchdown, Raheem Blackshear. You know, just to get this win on the road, as we mentioned, in a playoff environment, Seattle on the road, loud crowd, 12th man, and the bring of playoff mentality uh, is definitely glorifying. And now, along with Jim Zoki and Eugene Robinson, Here's Anish Shroff with Panther Talk, live from the Panthers broadcast facility at Bank of America Stadium. Man, that win from Sunday still hits. Best win of the season for the Panthers on the road against a Seattle team that was in the playoff picture going into the weekend. Panthers jump out to a 17-0 lead. They don't look back. They never trailed. First road win of the season Back-to-back wins for the first time this season. And Carolina waking up on Monday morning just a game out of first place in the division. Four games left. Everything in front of this team. And let's bring in the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, Steve Wilkes. Coach, congratulations. Amazing win. Given the environment, given the conditions, you guys showed up. You guys were ready. And uh, the one thing we talked about on the broadcast quite a bit was – how this team has forged an identity. And, and I'm just curious, can you walk us through the process of you know, what it was that you wanted to see identity-wise and, and how you've gotten it to this point in the season? Well, Anisha, it started back when, um, you know, when I first took over the, um, the position. Uh, and I think it started before we hit the field and just the mindset of what I wanted the guys to be. And uh, we talked about, a certain standard, which is uh, the act of a champion. And uh, that all consists of uh, accountability, commitment, and, and trust. Uh, you know, trust the process, trust in one another, uh, great level of commitment, and hold yourself accountable. And before we even hit the field, that's one of the things that we established. And uh, I truly believe and always have, even as a defensive back coach, that everything – that we do starts up front uh, in the interior line. You know that's right. Uh, offense and defensively. And uh, we have one of the best offensive lines in this league, and they, they've definitely performed that way. And our defensive line do a great job of, you know, controlling the line of scrimmage, stopping the run, and getting pressure on the quarterback. So that was really the mindset that I wanted to create. Uh, it's just that blue-collar, lunch pail uh, 
concept. And those guys have truly adopted that. And uh, you can see it each and every week in how we run the football. What sort of springboard can a road win like this be for this final stage of the season? Well, I, I think with, with anything, it's just it's just confidence. You know, uh, I talked to the guys uh, all week, and, and most importantly, at halftime. I told them, I said, I've told you guys that we're a good football team. You know, but, you know, great ones learn how to finish. And let's, let's go out here the second half and finish this game. And hopefully that created, uh, again, the will and the mindset that we can get this thing done. Uh, and then hopefully it gives us some momentum as we proceed forward. But, you know, nothing's going to change in, in our approach, which is taking it one game at a time. And right now that's the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, Chuck Knox used to always say, Coach Knox, um, my former coach used to always say, bring your hard hat and your lunch bucket to work and get ready to go ahead and work. And you establish that. I want to go to the offensive line and stay on that same thing offensively. When it wasn't working with Foreman as much as you would like early in the game, Chuba Hubbard and also Blackshear seemed to spark something else other than, you know, got an eight-man front in front of them, boom, and they're able to jump out to the outside and take advantage of the blocking by Ian Thomas and also Ikema Kwano. Can you talk about that for me, sir? Yes, uh, I, we feel, I feel very confident in, in all three of those guys. And it's really a change up in pace sometimes in how McAdoo was calling the game. And you're right on the outside. And, and those guys, um, Tommy, uh, were doing a great job yes. and really trying to fill the edge. And you can see, um, you know, Raheem as well as uh, Chuba being able to just dip and get outside certain times. And, you know, we had some tough and hard runs in between the tackles, particularly late in the game. You know, it was very impressive when some of the things that I saw, uh, those guys just really grinding and getting yardage out the contact. But uh, very pleased and happy with all three of those guys and how they played yesterday. And, Steve, did you feel like this might be a spot for Raheem Blackshear, or was it, again, just kind of the flow of the game and the way things settled in that uh, this kind of allowed an opportunity as that third back for him to get more opportunity? Well, we definitely felt like it would, it would be an opportunity for him. Uh, he's shown some great things, you know, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and you saw his, his ability to, you know, to jump set and get outside. You know, you see it on, on the kickoff return as well. He's fast. He's quick. And uh, very elusive, so where well, he can really, you know, do some things out in space. So, no, we we felt this was the opportunity going into the game for him, Coach, to jump to the defensive side of the football. We know Seattle had not one but two elite receivers with Lockett and Metcalf, and you know, JC played an amazing game. But uh, describe the performance of of CJ Henderson on Sunday. Uh, it was it was great, you know. Uh, both of those guys played outstanding, but. CJ, you know, is building a lot of confidence uh, and really trying to play uh, with some consistency. Um, I think uh, it was only one catch. It was third and 10 uh, that that they made on him. But uh, played tough at the sticks, you know, challenged receivers, uh, came up with a big interception, you know. So uh, very pleased, you know, trying to get these guys to go back to the high school days and understand that once we get that ball in our hands, we're running back, you know. So mm-hmm. we got to find a way <laughs> to get in the end zone and not just trying to run out of bounds. It's all about scoring D. And, and Coach, I want to go ahead and go back to the word that you you mentioned earlier. You said finish and finish the game. 
did you talk to the secondary, i.e., all the defense towards the end of the game where they scored a touchdown, which I thought that, man, except for a couple of missed tackles, you can burn some time off the clock to really put them in some dire straits. Did you talk to the team about even taking advantage of that opportunity and finishing the game so that you don't well, maybe have a thing? Yes. Well, I, I, I talked to the coaches about this, and it's going to be something that uh, would definitely be uh, mentioned to those guys when they come back on Wednesday is is the manner in which we finish. Happy that we won the game, but there's an opportunity late in the game that if J.C. would just would have wrapped the receiver Make the up, tackle, yeah. Uh, just to make the tackle there, chances are they wouldn't have had a chance to be able to uh, line back up again and spike the ball, you know. And if they did, they got one more shot to the end zone. And along with that, you know, you saw other guys that assume, which we never do, uh, assume that the tackle was made and then we didn't get over. So uh, we should have never put ourselves in a position where we're trying to defend a onside kick. I asked you after the game yesterday about J.C. Horn and – he has some great answers about his week of preparation and dealing with DK Metcalf. On Frankie Louvu, obviously he's he's physically gifted and, and quick, but he just seemed to know where the ball was going, his anticipation and so forth. How much is that due to his film study, the, the mental component of, of knowing where to be? Uh, a combination of both, uh, Jim. Uh, I, I think uh, Coach Rabo does a tremendous job in, in, in his teaching progression and showing these guys certain looks uh, with the run game and then how the play action complements off of that. And, you know, formation recognition, as we talk all the time, you know, uh, the formation is talking to us. we got to listen with our eyes. Mm. And he, he just understands based off the different looks and where guys are aligned, how to eliminate uh, certain things that aren't going to happen and then start anticipating. So uh, you saw that yesterday. He was all over the field, man, and it was great to see. Coach, I think for a lot of fans, when they look at one game going to the next, it's uh, you played Seattle on the road. Now you you get Pittsburgh at home. But Jim and I were talking about this yesterday. We were on the flight. We landed at what two thirty in the morning. You know, guys probably getting to bed three thirty, four a.m. That there's a physical, there's a mental toll there. I'd imagine. So from your standpoint, you know that cross country flight, that late arrival, um, how does that impact how you manage this week? Well, I think it started with today by really giving the guys today off mm. and, um, you know, having those guys have an opportunity not to come back in here. Uh, they checked in with the uh, training staff. Uh, they will be in here tomorrow, the day off, really just trying to get, you know, uh, rehab and regen for the different things that we have. Uh, but I think you have to do that with a long West Coast flight and just r- trying to recharge these guys and get them uh, ramped up for Wednesday. Coach, does it make it really difficult when you know that a team is going to come with an eight-man front and sometimes drop down nine in the box, that it makes it difficult to go ahead and run the ball and to to actually stay with that? And with that said, moving the pocket like you guys were able to do on some play action, get some waggles and some boots on the outside to get Dono to go ahead and get off. Well, we we felt like coming into the game, they had shown a lot of split safety look and I had talked to to uh, McAdoo about this, and I felt like they were going to go eight-man front uh, with us, just really trying to stop the run. And they, they had a mixture of both, uh, but mostly eight-man front, particularly late in the game. And uh, offensive line still did a great job mm. with the double teams and coming off. And when we had that support safety, you see a lot of times where, you know, Sam would bring down the receiver so we can crack 
you know, the uh, safety. And then now we're one-on-one -on -one with the corner, which we, t we, we take that matchup any day. And, you know, along with that, Ben does a good job of now building off of that and getting outside the pocket, as you just mentioned, and trying to get Sam on the perimeter to where he can utilize his legs, uh, his feet, as well as keep his eyes down the field and throw throw the ball. And it, it was very impressive on that first one with Shy uh, on the touchdown. And to your point, that's why we saw DJ coming down, getting some, some key blocks in there. He didn't get too many catches, but I did see him block. Yeah, you know, and that's, that's the great thing about – DJ and really that whole, um, you know, receiving crew uh, just being unselfish and just, you know, understanding that, you know, it's not all about catching the ball. You got to block as well. And they take pride in blocking in that room, which I appreciate. All right, Steve, last one for me. Important two-part question for you here. One, have the coaches notified Terrace Marshall he is allowed to use his hands to catch the ball? And two, <laughs> have you ever seen a catch quite like that Beautiful. before? You know what? I, I haven't. You know, you, you see you see different things each and every year, man, on the highlights. Uh, but that was very impressive. And, and I thought for, for a second there, talking to the uh, official, uh, that it was going to stand. And then, you know, they showed it where it, it just briefly uh, hit the ground. So uh, great efforts by him. Uh, but, yeah, we can't use our hands. <laughs> <laughs> and, Coach, final one for me. What was the mood in the offensive line room when you – you brought out the, uh, I guess they're calling it the Arby's package. <laughs> What's up with the uh, Arby's uh, package, Coach? What's that? Uh, Coach, they 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 loved it, uh, <laughs> Anish. They loved it. And to be quite honest, they, they tried to lobby all week for that to be the first play of the game. You know? <laughs> and and, and uh, Coach Camby gets a kick out as well as Coach McAdoo because it's always talking about, Where's the beef? You know, and all, <laughs> and all, all three of those guys go running in, and it's, 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 it's crazy to see. Like, you always get one guy reporting, but you got three guys having to report at one time. <laughs> oh, that yeah. sounds good. That was fun to watch. And, you know, again, it goes back to what you talked about earlier. It speaks to the identity of, identity of this team. You guys are beating people up. Coach, uh, congrats again on the win, and um, you know, good luck this week. We'll talk again soon. Thank you, Coach. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Take Thank care. You. Have a good night. Thank you. Steve Wilkes, now 4-4 four and four as the head coach wow. of the Carolina Panthers. Jim, we talked about it post-game. He continues to build this case, and, and it gets stronger and stronger every week. They've won three out of four. Right now, the Panthers are playing better than any team in the division. This is just my plan because I have never owned a professional sports team before. I would give him the job, but I wouldn't tell anybody else because you don't <laughs> you don't want to miss with Mojo. You don't oh, want to wow, give it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And not that it would necessarily, but just like you don't want to change your socks when things are going right. So just keep doing what you're doing. He's he's happy to live week to week, as he said, and keep the team in that way. But I would probably go up to him and say, "Hey, it's all good. Just you know, just we'll, keep doing. We'll, what you're we'll doing. talk in like February, <laughs> but you know, just know, like wink, it's okay." Because I think he's he's checked to me every box. Yes, but again, it it, it's not my call. It's not my right. team. But I just think when you're looking for your, your head coach, I just feel like the, the players love him. They're laughing on the sidelines. They're winning. So it's like all the things you want to see happen are happening uh, the way and, and with a hand that was dealt to him, that he inherited. That this is not his – he didn't have the training camp. He didn't pick the players. This I mean, is, all this yeah. stuff is like he's working with what he's got. I mean, we, we were talking to guys on the team plane yesterday who essentially were saying, we like him. We're rooting for him. We're playing hard for him, and he's made a difference. Um, and, and, you know, this is reading between the lines, but given who made the comments, I think it's important. When Baker Mayfield was here and Baker through his career, he's always been honest. He hasn't pulled punches. He hasn't given you player speak. 
after that Thursday night win, and he was on the Amazon set talking to the other hosts, and he brought up his days with the Panthers, which, again, not too far removed. You know, when he talked about the locker room and how much he loved those guys and what that meant, you know, when it comes from Baker, that was genuine. That that told me that there is a togetherness about this team. You can see it in the way that they play. I mean, to get off to a 17-point lead on a, on Seattle, in Seattle, Seattle was a loud place. I heard Irvin when he was – he, when he falls out, he's like, I can't hear. I, I can't hear. And it, it, it's loud. It really is a loud place. And it is a 12-man factor. And they took that crowd out of it. They took the crowd out of it. And they set up a, they set the bed for them to go ahead and win a tough, hard game on the road against a playoff caliber team. That's outstanding. Coach Wilkes, congratulations. Yeah. Panthers now 5-8, and eight, just a game out of first behind Tampa in the NFC South. More to do here on Panther Talk. Uh, Jim spoke to John Casey, whose record for games played as a Panther was broken yesterday by J.J. Jansen. We'll have Field Yates from ESPN on. Jim's got plenty of questions about his fantasy team, so Field will thank you answer for, all of those. Thank you for booking a guest for me. <laughs> Just for you. Just for me. <laughs> Just for you and, and the world who's Specific listening. Specific to my roster only will be the question. We, we, we'll get the lowdown on Jim's fantasy team. All that ahead on Panther Talk. This is the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. This is Panther Talk, brought to you by Bank of America, official bank of the Carolina Panthers. Rolls to his left, stops, throws, downfield intercepted, picked off by J.C. Horn. The fake to Foreman, Darnold rolling to his right, throws, caught, touchdown, Shai Smith. Everything we do starts up front, you know, so I was extremely proud uh, of how we played up front on the offense and, and defensive side of the ball. You know, 223, as you mentioned, 46 yards for those guys. And uh, the way we just finished the game in the fourth quarter for us just pounding and running the ball. Defensively, as a de- defensively-minded coach, you know, there's nothing more demoralizing than having the ball run on you in the fourth quarter. Panther Talk continues on the Carolina Panthers radio network. You know, that was fun to watch in the fourth quarter because – Jim, we talked about it on the air. The game had been building toward that. Time of possession, plays had been lopsided in mm-hmm. favor of the Panthers. They had been wearing down, pounding away at this Panther, the Seahawks defense. And then you know, Seattle was in surrender Cobra mode at the end. They knew Carolina was going to run, couldn't stop them. And, uh, you know, every action has a reaction. Seattle can't stop the run. It's not a new problem. I mean, this is like any film study would be – you know, that would be your first thought. And now the Panthers are a good running team, so it's, it was set up perfectly. Now, you would have thought of them, Deontay Foreman, but I think he averaged, what, three yards a carry yesterday. But the running game with the offensive line collectively putting it all together, that's a team that is has done a great job drafting, as Anish and I talked about yesterday, Seattle. They're close, and this was supposed to be a down year for them, and here they are 7-6, and six, which is really good. But they have a major deficiency, and it's like they can't stop the run. Now, they're all out of running backs, too. They've lost four running backs yes, since yeah. this uh, beginning of training camp when you go all the way back to Chris Carson. So they've lost four running backs. So that's why they can't run the ball so well. But they have a major issue, Eugene. I'm sure if you've ever been on defenses or played against defenses that can't stop the run, you, can't, you cannot win. No. They talk about passingly. If you can't stop the run and the other team figures it out, game over for that day. There's, there's no way you're going to win. And you stay on the field all day long. You stay. The other team keeps you on the field because they can and there's nothing that you can do about it. You go, oh, man, they got another third down. Oh, they converted another third down. Oh, man, they converted another third down. We convert. We're like 50% on third down when we've been 
back in the day, Coach Rube, we've been twenty five percent. Yeah. This this team has really made a big a big big jump, and it's the identity as you mentioned with Coach about this is a run team that's getting nasty DNA. Like this is what they want to do. They want to go in and run. And after that run, set up that pass. And let me just say this quickly: is that if Sam Darnold runs like he ran in that game, and he decides to take off, Sam Darnold, I'm telling you, you will be a new and improved quarterback because you can, my man, can run. That was impressive. It again gives the defense one more thing to think about. Yes, it does. When you know the Panthers are going to run the football. This broadcast roundtable brought to you by Sitco. Keep your engine clean with Tri Clean Sitco gasoline. Sitco, let's go together. Let's stick with the running game because that's the formula. Carolina's now won three out of four. In the three wins, they ran it 46 times against Seattle, 46 against Denver, 47 against Atlanta. And if you're looking for, okay, how do these next four opponents stack up (laughs) against the run? All of them are in the middle to the bottom half in the NFL in rush defense. Pittsburgh's 15th, Detroit 26th, Tampa 20th. New Orleans 19th. So this is a chance to impose your will on your next four opponents. And, you know, it's funny. A win like yesterday has changed how we view the rest of the season where hosting a playoff game is on the table. The playoffs are on the table from one and five. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. We didn't think we'd be here in in, in mid-December. And now we're who can beat us? Right. (laughs) We thought we were going to get into Ooh. Eugene's uh, and then we're in the playoffs. war we're playing, stories. When we get to the playoffs, we play Dallas. We're beating the Cowboys. We already picked like our playoff opponents. We're going to beat them too. It's just like it is. It's such a fickle league in terms of just the emotion of you know. We all live around sports talk radio to some degree or another. It's just like the fickleness within a game, even like after a quarter, a judgment on the entire ball game has been made. But uh, yeah, now the question is, and we've talked about this before too, is. You know, there's going to come a day where you're not going to be up 17 nothing. You might be down 17 nothing. Might be some turnovers happen or whatever. Or they're just really good, and you're not going to be able to run the ball 40 times. You're going to have to learn to, to do it the other way. And so that that'll be the growth is, is seeing you know how multidimensional this team can be. Can they do that? Can you Eugene? be a comeback oh, team? Oh, absolutely. I th- I think they can definitely throw the ball. There's no doubt in my mind that they can throw the ball. There's so much good at running that it. It begs throw the ball at times because you're going to go take those shots down the field because you got to get to an eight-man front to stop stop the run. This team is really good, and what makes this team good is the complement of a good defense and a really good running offense. That is a combination to go to win, and when you win in December, you set yourself up for playoffs. All right, injury updates are brought to you by Ortho Carolina. No matter if you're injury-prone, weekend warrior, or a parent of a child needing orthopedic care, when things look bad, choose better. And uh, we'll see on Wednesday more information on DJ Moore getting his ankle MRI today. Uh, Brandon Smith left the game yesterday with an ankle injury. And as we talked about, Corey Littleton and uh, also uh, Xavier, Xavier Woods not playing yesterday with their injuries. Ortho Carolina, a better choice, official team position of the Carolina Panthers. All right, Jim, you uh, were able to wrangle... John Casey. Oh, that's not easy to do. He's a hard one to get a hold of. Yeah, and uh, not asked in this interview, which I wish I would have thought of, is uh, will J.J. Jansen break John Casey's all-time scoring record for the Carolina Panthers? <laughs> no. Is that, is that in play? Uh, but uh, we have lots of other to talk about. They're obviously very close, the two of them, and uh, and John's got a lot of great things about J.J. and his time with the Panthers. Basically, the original Panthers free agent. Signed from, Seattle, yep, signed from Seattle, of course, but he was the, the first you know major free agent signing for the expansion uh, Panthers back in '95. And uh, an incredible job. I've known him when he first came to Seattle, and guys used to try to boo him and 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 get him off his game because they didn't want him to replace Norm Johnson. He 
easily replace Norm Johnson as a 20-year illustrious career. John Casey's my man, no doubt. That golden left foot of John Casey. We'll hear his dulcet tones with Jim Zoki on the other side. This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers radio network. This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers radio network. Brought to you by Coke, official fan refreshment of the Carolina Panthers. Snap, placement, kick on the way by John Casey, and it is good! Casey wins it! We are here with Panthers legend John Casey, one of the original Panthers, longtime kicker with the team, 16 years with the team, 21 years in the league. Would you imagine, John, back in 1995 when you came in from Seattle that here we are sitting in 2022 and, and your family's grown up and here you are still in the Charlotte area? Yeah, that was, it, it was kind of a surreal experience to be able to come to Charlotte uh, because it wasn't even an option when I came into the league. Uh, you know, the franchise didn't, didn't even exist and free agency didn't exist. And both of those things had to happen for us to be able to be here. But it's a great place to raise our family. There's a reason why we're still here. It's because we, we love the community. And we're going to talk about you know, what it is that you're doing in particular here. But uh, as I mentioned, so many years with the Panthers and most games played and your friend and fellow special teams guy, J.J. Jansen, is poised to break your record in the most games played as a Carolina Panther. Yeah, you you love to see those records broken um, because that means good things are happening for a lot of people. And so I, I'm exciting for I'm excited for him. He's a he's a good man. And uh, he's you know, his services have been very valuable for a long time. I know football is not something you keep up with in particular, except when your son's playing and things like that in college. But um, as you look back at your two decades in the NFL, what are some of the kind of the general feelings or takes you have when you kind of are reminded of your playing days? Well, it's the relationships. I think you hear that from a lot of guys is, you know, you the, the things that you remember are the people that you interacted with and the funny, there are a lot of funny situations. Um, my wife was one of the most disappointed people when I finished playing in the NFL because of the stories that I used to have that I, you know, I don't really have those same type of stories. And so uh, I would call her on the way home from practice or whatever, and there was always something, and she was always very curious. And so it was, it was just fun for us to be able to have those relationships and the, and the things that happen, you know, a lot of times outside the game. So you have four kids, and one of your sons is playing college football? He's at a small school uh, in Iowa, Dort University. He's playing corner there. and uh, oh, you got the speed gene, huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a lot faster than me. So <laughs> That's awesome. That's, That's great to hear. Well, I mentioned John's here. A lot of folks in the listening audience know who David Chadwick is at Moments of Hope Church, played basketball for Dean Smith at North Carolina, and you're the disciple pastor there at Moments of Hope Church in, in Charlotte. How much is that really something that is, is really something that's enjoyable and uh, kind of a calling for you? Well, you know, a lot of it was born out of the years that I played in the NFL. I became a Christian when I was in college. Um, And then I had a lot of guys build into me when I first came into the NFL. And then I was able to be a part of a group of guys that, you know, we were able to kind of create a safe place where we could study what God's Word said. And we had Bible studies in chapels. Mike Bunkley was our chaplain here at the Seahawks or at the the Panthers. Mm -hmm. And so being able to have those experiences, I mean, a a lot of what I'm doing now is born out of a lot of those years when I was playing football in the NFL. And I remember you always wore you know, your heart on your sleeve as far as talking about your faith and in interviews and publicly. And, you know, not a lot of players do that. They may have that, but you were very outward in, in your faith as far as just expressing it, I thought. Yeah. Well, you know, people would ask me, you know, why do you think this happened or why did that happen? And 
I had to tell the truth. I mean, <laughs> to be honest, God put me in this situation. He gave me the opportunities, and I just pray that he was glorified by what I did and said. Well, John, great to have you still here in the community, a big part of it, obviously, as well. And uh, to the family, everyone tell them we said hello. Great to visit with you. Yeah, thank you, Jim. Appreciate that. Back with more on Panther Talk after this. This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Brought to you by Atrium Health. Because you deserve to live your best life, and we're here to help. Zone read, gives straight up the middle. Chuba Hubbard, touchdown! Got it. Got it. The same stuff we came with today. Um, the same mentality. And it's, 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 it's in our DNA. It's in our, it's in our uh, everyday work, and, and everything that we do is just finish, 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 finish. We pride ourselves on that, and... You know, we're going to bring what we brought today to next week and the week after and just keep going. And, you know, we know God will take us where we need to, and that's the playoffs. So see you soon. This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Chuba Hubbard has put together his best two games of the season in the last two games, Denver and Seattle. Panthers at 5-8, and eight, a game out of first place in the NFC South, then let's go national. We bring in Field Yates, NFL insider and uh, co-host of Fantasy Football Focus. Uh, we'll get to uh, Jim Zoki's fantasy team questions at the end. But Field, <laughs> first of all, and Jim, by the way, is chomping at the bit. To, I, was, I thought to we were starting some, there, but okay, go ahead. To get some fantasy insight there. But Field, thanks for joining us. And um, I, I guess let's start in the NFC South, where the Buccaneers lead the division. They're under five hundred. And with the way the Panthers are playing now, from a, a national perspective, how would you handicap the NFC South race? I would go probably not as far as a dead heat uh, amongst all four teams, but I think there is a pulse for at least three of them. Tampa by sort of by default right now because they are atop the division and do have a couple of a critical head to head advantage over Atlanta, but. I would say that Carolina and Atlanta certainly have you know have some life in them right now, and the Panthers are playing probably the best football out of all of them. They're certainly playing the most inspired, and you know Tampa Bay might find a way atop this division, but it's not pretty right now. Meanwhile, Carolina's going in the opposite direction. I don't know if they'll end up winning this division or not, but the football play on the field has dramatically improved from the start of the season to where we are right now, which is why all of a sudden they are a factor in the division. What we saw with the uh, Carolina and, and Seahawks game, are the Seahawks showing that they are vulnerable and maybe not the team that everybody thinks they are? That's definitely the case, and they're going to be tested again come Thursday night because, as you guys saw on yep. Sunday, they can't stop the run at all. And that's been a problem for them throughout the season, but it should be a big problem on Thursday night when they have a guy you guys may know a thing or two about in Christian McCaffrey uh, on uh, their primary to-do list to try to slow him down and with a banged-up quarterback in San Francisco and no Debo Samuel, it should, okay. certainly should be a day where uh, CMC is very busy. But, yeah, Seattle has been a team that kind of, like, they may have crescendoed or maybe played their best ball early in the season, which is fine because it's still a remarkable run for them given where the preseason expectations were. But they do have a tough schedule coming up that includes San Francisco and Kansas City in the span of three weeks. So it will not be an easy finish to the Ouch. year. Uh, but what is a really good story in Seattle? Well, Field, we always talk about when we have Coach Wilkes on and any coach, you can only take one game at a time, but we could take three or four at a time. So, Pits, uh, so Pits, that's part well, of our job. Yeah, I mean, we're allowed to. There's no, there's no harm in that. For, for this week, it's Pittsburgh. But then next week, Christmas Eve against the Detroit Lions. And I think like Woo! the Panthers, you look at Detroit, and you can't look at the, the whole body of work from week one, although they have some close losses. That Detroit team looks like they're playing right up with the very best teams in the league right now. 
Yeah, they're playing awesome on offense, especially. The defense is still a work in progress. They've been much better against the running game of late, but they're still having some issues in the back end is Detroit on defense. But offensively, they've got plenty of talent, really at every spot. The only place where they're probably a bit vulnerable is tight end because they made the decision to trade away TJ Hawkinson to the Vikings, who, of course, they beat yesterday. But they're playing really well. And, you know, we're in a league now where uh, we spend – probably way too much airspace ranking how good each quarterback is relative to other quarterbacks. And I've kind of waved the white flag on that exercise. I don't know where Jared Goff ranks among NFL <laughs> quarterbacks, but what I can tell you this year is that the Lions had a plan for him. They continue to execute that plan at a really high level. And rather than trying to make Jared Goff somebody that he isn't or take away things from Jared Goff that would limit who he can be, they're playing to those strengths and doing an incredible job of highlighting their best players in space. And they've got some really good run-after-catch run athletes. So uh, not to look past Pittsburgh on Sunday because it's obviously a big game uh, for both sides, but uh, Christmas Eve will be a fun one. Uh, yeah, and Field, with Detroit, they had lost, as Jim said, a ton of close games early in the season. The team they beat over the week, weekend, Minnesota, had won a ton of close games over the course of the season. Are we seeing a little bit of uh, a regression, maybe a needed regression for Minnesota yeah. where, you know, they're not as good as the record indicates? Yeah, this is a uh, very slippery slope or a sensitive subject, I should say, because, you know, you are what your record says you are in the NFL and you'd rather be 10 and three than six and seven or three and 10 or anything else uh, worse than 10 and three. That's for sure. Um, that being said, they have a negative point differential. Let's just imagine that. Uh, there's a division where all four teams have a positive point differential, the AFC East. Like, there are teams who have a decidedly worse record than the Vikings and a better point differential than them. And there are a couple of things that tend not to sustain over time in the NFL. Uh, it's hard to continually have bad injury luck, even though the 49ers and Chargers might argue otherwise. Typically, everybody has their spells where you just get bitten by the injury bug. Um, there are also, it's hard to create turnovers consistently in the NFL. There was a year when Khalil Mack first went to the Bears. They couldn't stop creating turnovers. The following year, they couldn't create any turnovers, it felt like. So that's a tough, tough thing to do. And the third thing is it's hard to consistently win or consistently lose close games. The Vikings have sort of bucked that trend this year. The Raiders did this all of last year. And then look what's happened to Las Vegas this season. They've been in a ton of close games. Well, they won back-to-back -back overtime games recently. Last Thursday night, of course, old friend Baker Mayfield ended up <laughs> upsetting them with the Los Angeles Rams. And that So just the Vikings, it's, I'm not saying they're due to go on a losing streak, but this is not, if you were to stack this 10-3 team up to other teams that have been 10-3, like the Dallas Cowboys right now, who absolutely uh, put a, a, laid the smackdown on the Vikings when they play about a month or so ago, I think maybe its resume is a little bit less perfect than your normal 10 and 3 team would suggest. So when you look at, when I look at the Bills, Kansas City, Philadelphia, I think of those teams being really elite teams. Can I put the Cowboys in that same conversation? I think they're close. And this is an interesting thing to say a day after they needed literally all 60 minutes to beat the 110 or previously 110 and 1 Houston Texans. Uh, but I look at teams like this. On their best day, what are they capable of? Because, and we can't assume that every team will play its best 
game every single time they're on the field. As a matter of fact, as we know, often teams play far from their very best. But at their best, I do think the Cowboys are capable of playing with anybody. And once you get into the postseason, we don't have best of seven series in the NFL. We have any given Sunday. Uh, and I think the Cowboys at their very best can be amongst the best teams in the NFL. They generate incredible pressure on the defensive side of the ball. They're opportunistic in the secondary. They've got speed, uh, even with some cornerback depth that has recently been tested. And then offensively, you know, prior, they still have been, they've been really good and not allowing sacks of Dak Prescott. So they've been able to, and they've really controlled the game uh, at the line of scrimmage in the running game, which probably is part of the reason why their sack total is so low. Now, Terrence Steele, their right tackle is out for the season. That's a big blow to Dallas, but this team at its very best can certainly be amongst the top five or so in the NFL. All right, Field, I was going to ask you for your top 20 quarterback rankings, but I got a two-part question instead. <laughs> and there's no right answer, so just go with it. Where will Baker Mayfield be next July? Where will Jeff Saturday be next July? Ooh, that, okay, so I don't know. I, I don't know the answer on another one of those. Um, so I think Baker will be in a quarterback competition somewhere um, because the NFL conducts free agency prior to the draft. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Baker Mayfield is signed somewhere in March with the intent to start him, but that team would also probably be in a spot where it would be comfortable drafting a quarterback as well. I think of it kind of like the Mitch Trubisky situation. Um, and I know it's just one game and there's still four left and we'll see how Baker performs, but Mitch Trubisky got a two-year, $14 million contract for not playing in Buffalo the year before. If Baker puts on reasonable tape, and there was some very good tape this past Thursday night, he's going to get a real deal. Um, but I could see him being in a quarterback competition in July. And with Jeff Saturday, I think there's a real chance he's the Colts head coach. And uh, wow. I'm saying it's because and maybe he might take Baker. So great. <laughs> yeah, but you know something? Like I think with the Colts, it's that it's it's clear who's running the ship there, right? It's the owner. And if the owner felt comfortable and felt it's worthy to hire Jeff Saturday in the first place. I don't think he had an eight-game vision. I think he had a potential multi-year marriage in mind. And if the Colts finish strong, which we'll see if they play the Vikings this upcoming Saturday, uh, then maybe Jeff Saturday will turn uh, this job into a full-time option. I agree. Jim, I know you're chump. you got to ask now, more fantasy questions. It's like asking about somebody's golf game or whatever. I'm not going to waste time. You can't, well, right, Field, you, you can't even pick up a player at this time of the year. There's nobody out there. Give him one sleeper. Yeah. Give him one sleeper. Brock field. Purdy. Is Brock Purdy worth it? Brock Purdy. Uh, you know, I, it is a good matchup. You guys saw that Seahawks defense on uh, on Sunday, so I don't think it's a terrible one this week. I think Mike White's the play this week, assuming he okay. gives it a go uh, for the New York Jets. That Lions secondary that I was just talking about, really struggling in the back end, would be a name to keep an eye on if you're looking for a quarterback streaming option. Field, I'll leave you with this, and, and we'll bring it back to the NFC South because you know there is one important moving piece now. And that is with the Falcons, quarterback change. Desmond Ritter, rookie out of Cincinnati. What can we expect there? Well, hopefully a high – well, for their sake, hopefully a a more functioning passing game. Uh, Marcus Mariota was like 31st in completion percentage. And completion percentage is not by any stretch an end-all, be-all with quarterback accuracy. Um, But typically when a completion percentage is not indicative of the player's accuracy, it's because it's way too high. Like guys completing 72% of their passes, but they're throwing mostly stuff at or near the line of scrimmage. But Marcus Mariota, just way too many missed chunk plays in the passing game for Atlanta. And Desmond Ritter was a really good college player, obviously, at Cincinnati. 
and I think he can be a very functional pocket passer. So I'm tempering expectations. They don't have Kyle Pitts for the rest of the season. It's not like their wide receiver group is deep, but I do think it'll be an upgrade, which I think is important for them because, as we discussed when we started talking, it's still a legitimate, I think, three-team race in the NFC South. Yeah, Falcons at 5-8, and eight, Panthers at 5-8, and eight, Buccaneers in first at 6-7. and seven. Beauty comes in all shapes and sizes. Yes, it does. Field Yates, appreciate you, pal. All right, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Enjoy the uh, games this weekend and, of course, Christmas Eve. I already been thinking about that Panthers-Lions game now. Yeah, see? Ah, see? That, that wasn't even on anybody's radar could take five weeks ago. We could take two at a time. Field <laughs> yeah. yes, Yates, NFL Thank insider, you. co-host of Fantasy Football Focus Now. And I'm curious to see what Desmond Ritter can do. I covered him quite a bit in college, and my impression was really good college quarterback, better when he uses his feet and he can run Seemed to try too hard to be a pocket guy later in his career. We'll see. More to do here on Panther Talk. We'll be back with our final thoughts. Quick look ahead to the Pittsburgh game coming up as well here on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Panther Talk continues on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Last segment on Panther Talk. And Ishraf, Jim Zoki, Eugene Robinson Steelers in town this Mm. week. Earlier today at his news conference, Steve Wilkes was imploring the Panther faithful to show out. We know Pittsburgh, they travel well. They come in waving those uh, terrible towels. Terrible towels, man. Yes, they do. This, to me, is another opportunity game for the Panthers. Um, Pittsburgh comes in. They've struggled against the run in recent weeks. Quarterback is a revolving door right now. Kenny Pickett, concussion protocol. Mitch Trubisky threw three picks. Uh, we could see Mason Rudolph on Sunday. Wow, from Rock Hill, and uh, you know that they again another team that struggled with their quarterback situation all this year. They kind of have a collection uh, by committee of quarterback of what they're they're trying to do there. But uh, you know, Mike Tomlin, you have all the respect in the world. You look at what he's done as a coach for the Steelers through the years, he always gets the most out of whatever team they have, but they, they definitely have some, you know, the building, uh, rebuilding, I guess at this point, the roster to, to where it used to be. And when you talk, I'm looking at their rushing stats, uh, 115 yards, well, worth 116, and then passing 242, that they're giving up on defense. I really believe that the Panthers offense is one of the best offensive lines in the league. I mean, they're, they're really, really good, and they can pound you. And I think that, you know, the the formula, what's going to be, what Coach Wilson is going to be, we're going to pound the ball and make Pittsburgh stop us. Because when you're giving up 116, I mean, that's a lot of yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're down like to 90 yards, okay, that's okay, that's cool. You got a really good defense, run defense. But when you're above the 100, the 110, you're giving up yards, you have a propensity to give up like 135, 140 easily. You know, like, what, what against Baltimore, was. Eugene, yes. the Ravens this past weekend against Pittsburgh. Ran it 42 times for 215 yards. Ouch! Mm-hmm. See, that's what I'm saying. And when you start reading the quotes from some of the defensive players after the game, they said what was demoralizing was no Lamar Jackson. Tyler Huntley was the backup. He went out. So you had a third-string quarterback in Anthony Brown. Everybody on that Steeler defense said they knew Baltimore was going to run the football, and, and the Ravens <laughs> did, and they couldn't stop it. And I think if you're the Panthers, you read that and you see that and you say, ah, we did that to Seattle, let's do it to them. Absolutely. And, and, and conversely, our defense is so good. They're riding really high. They're looking to go ahead and take advantage of a quarterback, quarterbacks who will maybe, you know, in the carousel. 
Yep. So, uh, so you know, again, good opportunity for the Panthers. Home yes, the next two weeks, and uh, they played well on the road. They're stacking wins. Stack them, baby. It feels like it's all, again, building towards that Tampa Bay game in three weeks that make that game could be incredibly big when we get there in three this games. This season has had so many twists and turns, and here we are in mid-December with a chance with two home games and then a chance to play meaningful games into the first two weekends of January and potentially beyond. This has at Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 